For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Harvey Levin and his crew bring you the latest in TMZ's brand of edgy, exclusive content. The TMZ Podcast is a daily podcast Monday through Friday that brings you everything you need to know about the entertainment stories everyone is talking about. Stay up to date on all the latest celebrity news, breaking stories, and pop culture. Subscribe today to the TMZ Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Believe it or not, we are back with Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Vertel, and I just want to say that I'm sorry to you, Ira, today, because I heard you just received your draft notice to join the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> and we'll never see you again. <laughs> That's who I was last week in the Rhythm yes. Nation. Um, <laughs> it's a week-long boot camp sort of situation. Um, I saw Janet last night, and let me tell you something. I... Have never been in a better mood this morning. First of all, like, there should be Janet songs that begin with, let me tell you something. <laughs> I mean, listen, Queen of Whispers. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I assume she spent three quarters of the show thanking her fans like this. And I just want to thank the fans. Nobody has ever cooed thanks more. Uh, she's doing the whisper. She was everything. She was just like the Janet that you want. I'm like, first of all, I'm like stomping through New York City this morning Iced coffee in hand, new jeans. First of all, they're Gap jeans, so like I was also like hearing um, "Get Into the Groove" in my head. Yes, I was oh, listening sure. to it, featuring Missy Elliott. Yes, <laughs> How you get I those jeans? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, on the version that's now on streaming, they blur it out. They blur out the word "Gap." Wow. Who had that meeting? <laughs> we can't give them this coverage. Madonna's In this like weird the, remix song from two thousand three. Madonna's like cut another check. Right. <laughs> Speaking of that, quickly, I just I uh, was reflecting on when that biopic was supposed to be made. Apparently, a big sticking point was how much money she wanted for it. You forget that at the end of the day, Madonna is all about the money, even though yeah. she just fucking tortured her knee again for this giant tour. Mother's <laughs> not going to make it to date one, guys. Anyway, back to Janet. Uh First of all, this concert was Justice for 20-Year-Old, the album. I was, I literally, my first question to you was, did she just play the hits or did she like dig into the 20YO album? Yeah, so 20YO is like, first of all, that is, that's such a fucking good album. And I was recently talking to like my friend Carter about it, um, about how like uh, it, it's sort of like a, I had gotten him to listen to it because mm -hmm. I feel like you either sort of miss this album or you are a big fan of the album. And I feel like it's having a weird resurgence right now. And she was, like, really fun with, like, playing some stuff from it. She had this moment in the show where she said, um, I want to do something for all of you. Uh, I got to play some songs that I never got to play on tour before. Uh, and, and, the, and the faggots just screamed. They did cartwheels. <laughs> she did, like, show me. So excited. Do it to me. Like, oh, I was jamming and then she also did 
that Blackstreet song of hers, Girlfriend, Boyfriend. Uh, oh, she, yes, of course. She, she started it, but then she said, uh, I feel like y'all not grooving enough as y'all supposed to be grooving to this song. Let's start it over. Wow. That's giving me <laughs> Janet acting roles from the 90s. Lots of, <laughs> lots of attitude. Okay, so she did 20YO. I assume she reverted back to the familiar hits. Yes. I mean, there was the familiar hits, it was almost sort of era's tour-ish. Mm. Uh, like, she starts with some Demita Joe. Uh, Another she, non-hit album, but all right, yes. Right. <laughs> she, like, opens with the song Demita Joe. Wow. <laughs> which, is, which, if you don't know, are Janet's middle names. Yeah. And, it was, and sometimes it's important for an artist to make a middle name only uh, album title. Who's the other person who did that? Uh, well, Brittany Jean, of course. Yes. She, she, she and, like, Michael were very much this precursor to these artists. Uh, Madonna's like this, too, right? They're like, you're going to get this song. I don't right. care. I don't care if you streamed it. You're gonna no. get this song. Madonna's like, I can't explain it. The song "Candy Shop" is really important to me, and I have to perform it twenty five thousand times. <laughs> um, but she did that. You know, she 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 mixed stuff up a bit. But um, Rhythm Nation, she closes with that, of course. Mm, uh, right. And she does "Together Again" three times. Meaning what and why? Well, she, she, well, because it's the "Together Again" tour. She ends with that. After, that's the um encore. But uh, she also does, like, the um, DJ Premier remix in the beginning. And then oh, okay. she also does, like, the Jimmy Jam um, deeper remix um, in the middle. A big important thing about Janet Jackson is she will wear large earrings, smile, and look to the left, which is what the Together Again <laughs> video is about. She also has, and this is honestly the one thing Michael could never do. She has this long-ass ponytail. During the show, and she is whipping that shit all over the place. You would think Michael would put it up into a high or low pony at some <laughs> point, but he didn't. She left was, it in the black mullet kind of phase. She was really like feeling her black cat on this tour. Okay. We talked about this before during that uh, Janet Jackson documentary when she was preparing to record Scream with Michael Jackson. Michael, there's footage of him saying, like, you got to put those black cat vocals on it. And that has made me really love the song even more since, <laughs> knowing that he was obsessed with it. I didn't think he was such an influencer, if you will, in my life. But, yeah, um, yeah Black Cat is really, you know, that, uh, that that hard-rocking anthem you wanted from someone else who was, like, like Vanessa Williams or Paula Abdul or somebody who else, but mm -hmm. Janet got it. Uh, I will also say the real fun thing about Janet is, like, you know, she's still one of those... Um, global superstars, you know, and came up in the 80s. Um, and so the ages varied at the concert. It was great seeing people just, like, in their old concert um, mm. T-shirts, too. Even younger fans just sort of, like, dressed up, like, Rhythm Nation-esque. Like, you know, like, everyone was just like, there having, like, a really fucking good time. So I love Janet fans. I certainly would have been wearing my um, Boombastic with Shaggy shirt, if I were there, <laughs> which I would have made myself with puppy paint. Also, when the concert ended, the DJ, as we were walking out, played that song Made For Now, which she did not even acknowledge during the concert. Oh, Made For Now was <laughs> off. She released it a few years ago. I remember uh, Sirius XM, The Groove, did a whole like channel for her a little bit where she just kept narrating her old songs. And they played Made For Now every three songs because that was the new song. And I kept being like, okay. <laughs> and it was and she was true it was true it was made for that but you know we've moved on it's very target coded yes right <laughs> it's, it's very uh 
it's very summer in New York. You know, I'll I'll probably it'll probably be on a playlist at a um rooftop party. I'm lying. Right. I'm not I, I mean, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't mind hearing it one more time. Yeah. I mean, like, get it off the playlist. Also, one of the things I really do love about Janet, though, is that she has the microphone that's sort of, like, just attached to her head, you right. know, uh, instead of, like, holding an actual microphone. I feel like the only person who could really do that is, like, Beyonce. Because, right. you know, she's, like, she's moving in ungodly sort of ways, you know? But, like, other people... You see them performing and try to dance, and they're holding like a mic or something. It's like, l- let's give it up, right? Let the barbers be Barbara. Sorry, uh, I learned recently that the reason those Janet-like mics headsets came to be is because Kate Bush uh, innovated them. She insisted mm. on finding a way to be able to uh, dance and sing at the same time without having to hold a microphone, and she was the first to do that. <sighs> well, while she was running up that hill, she should have been running up that patent. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> running up to she that patent office. Us. Right. <laughs> and you know she was probably lost in a fog the entire time she was doing it, too. <laughs> Someone is making money off of that now, too. And like no, and it's lost to history that she did it. Right. No. She should be like one of those Hedy Lamar-type people that we hear about, where uh, they innovated all this Bluetooth technology you don't know about and uh, earned untold secret millions from it. Baby, I only hear the name Hedy Lamar when I listen to the Little Shop of Horror soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> a date with Hedy Lamar or a guest shot on Jack Parr. Oh my God. I need to get into this show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, speaking of New York, Kelly Clarkson is moving here. She's leaving you. Traitor. Yes. Uh, and I had just seen her perform since you've been gone with the star of Anne Juliet. Uh, what's her name? Lorna Courtney? I think so. Yes. I just oh saw Anne Juliet, which is. Very fun, very ridiculous, but also very moving. Oh, that's so, nice. It's like it's schlocky, but it's like fun. And it's also nice to have, I guess, a um jukebox musical that's for millennials now, instead of like, here's a new Broadway show with more Billy Joel songs, you know? Mm, right. I mean, we do have that Moulin Rouge musical too, right? Which I don't we acknowledge can't, that. We can't kill that, right? Yeah. I don't acknowledge that show. <laughs> <laughs> Baz Luhrmann ultimately should be punished. I, I do mean to say that. Uh, I'm, I don't think he should, he should go unpunished. Um, yeah, Tony nominees came out uh, last week. And you know what's so interesting is suddenly Sarah Bareilles is like one of the definitive Broadway performers of the past 20 years. Like she yeah. just sort of walked into that status, it feels like. She nailed it three times now. And I can't imagine Broadway without her. Alyssa, she says she's not going to write you a love song. But what she will do <laughs> is sing a Sondheim. <laughs> I'm not going to write you a love song. However, I will slay Jesus Christ Superstar because I yeah. don't know how to love him. You know what? I would love to see Jesus Christ Superstar back on the Great White Way. You yeah, know? I think it's about time. I think it's really good. First of all, it's a really good show. Uh, and, you know, whatever they did with that John Legend thing on Fox mm-hmm. or something. But, God, I just want to see someone belting those songs. You need a tenor, you know? Um I'm a tenor. Just putting oh, that out there. Just oh, putting that out there. Uh, meaning what exactly? They're just going to dial, dial you up. That's how Broadway works. Like, <laughs> are, you, are you bored, podcaster? <laughs> Come stop I, the boards. I think that's how it works now. Basically, yeah. I'm sure it'll be half t- TikTok stars in like three years. Well, the thing about Aunt Juliet is it's like an update of 
the Romeo and Juliet story. The concept is basically that William Shakespeare is about to put up Romeo and Juliet, and his wife, Anne Hathaway, uh, is like, this ending is bad, you know, mm. and kind of sucks. Uh, and so they're writing a new version of the play as the play is going on, and it starts with, you know, Juliet actually took a fake killing herself poison, and she woke up, and Romeo's still dead, and now she needs to live her life. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah. like very the beginning of uh, a wonderful streaming series, too. Yeah. I think. <laughs> it's, and it's all the songs of um, Max Martin. So, you know, Since You've Been Gone is in it. You know, there's Britney, there's NSYNC, um, there's Celine Dion's That's The Way It Is, Bon Jovi's It's My Life. Does Max Martin ever just read through his discography? Like, go literally go to Wikipedia and read down <laughs> it just with a tear in his eye and think, well, I did it 55 times. Well, good for me. <laughs> uh, and the book was nominated um, for Tony. And the writer was David West Reed, who went to NYU with me. Oh, well, you knew him, which means I'm rooting for him or something. Kidding. I'm not. Uh, you know- <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, David. I'm rooting for you. But you worked on Schick's Creek. You have enough money. Oh, no kidding. I think the big face-off this year is between Jodie Comer and uh, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, yeah. Prima Facci was amazing. And A Doll's House, which, by the way, among classic plays, might be my favorite to watch. Oh. Uh, in college, I watched a version of A Doll's House that I still think about. It was just college actors. Like, like the dialogue is amazing. And we got two movie versions of it, one with Jane Fonda, uh, mm-hmm. a movie she says she wishes she could do over because she was in the midst of the Hanoi Jane era when that was occurring, so she couldn't devote her full attention to it. And also the version with Claire Bloom, which uh, is okay. Uh, but the we sort of still need the definitive movie version of it. So if Jessica Chastain were willing and able, and I have a distinct feeling she is, we should get that. I'm seeing it tomorrow. So Oh, really? Yeah. Is it still Jessica? Yeah, still Jessica. Yeah. Okay. It's so, not like Hope Davis yet or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who did I, think, I just randomly decide to insult? <laughs> I'm sorry, Hope Davis. Well, I think, well, so she'll still be in it up until, you know, Tony voting's done. You know, oh, the right. award ceremony. Um, but, you know, I love when something doesn't get a Tony nomination and it is canceled there. swiftly. <laughs> like Bob Fosse's dancing. Right. Uh, bye now. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, by the way, Shuffle it's over. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Gwen Verdun. Uh, get out of here for Encino Man the musical. <laughs> Ira, who the hell is on the show today? We have the wonderful Ginger Gonzaga on the show today and uh you're gonna get to listen to uh, us catch up and reminisce because um spoiler alert when i first moved to la i was her dog walker no way yeah first of all you being responsible for a creature is one of the things <laughs> i've ever heard so i get to call this woman stupid to her face <laughs> i love taking care of dogs other people's dogs mm. it's giving cruella I don't have the lifestyle for one, even though I was, um, I was raised with dogs. Like I love dogs, you know, I just, you know, I don't have the time to devote, you know, dogs. Everyone in my family is like, I just don't know about them. You got to be hopelessly devoted to a dog, you know? Mm. I would name a dog Olivia Newton-John. So (laughs) I see that for you. And uh, speaking of Olivia Newton-John, she performed at the King's coronation. I don't believe she did, but okay. (laughs) Everyone else did. So, yeah. we're going to talk about that. 
for some reason. I don't give a fuck about those Brits. But Unfortunately. Also, I mean, we'll get into it. The main photo of King Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles, I mean, it looks like a child drew it. It's like a child's <laughs> idea of what royalty looks like. <laughs> they look like playing cards. Uh, and then because uh, we love trending topics and SEO. <laughs> Stanger. Correct. Uh, <laughs> People have been talking about uh, TV shows um, that they claim that they were the only viewer of. You know, TV shows that flopped, had like six episodes, um, but they watched every single one. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite shows that maybe we were some of the only viewers of, and movies too, that were bombs that somehow we remember fondly. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll be right back with more Keep It. Fashion's biggest night was last Monday, and just like every other year, Anna Wintour made sure to make this year's Met Gala red carpet was mandatory watching. But did you know that before she was editor-in-chief of Vogue, Anna Wintour ran the fashion section for a little-known porn magazine called Viva in the 1970s? Naughty, Anna. (laughs) Uh, Anna Wintour. Uh, check out Crooked's latest limited series podcast called Stift to learn about the rise and fall of Viva, the erotic magazine for women that rocked the publishing world in 1973 New York City. With a team of feminist writers and editors behind it and a porn king publisher at the helm, were they always destined for failure? Find out now by listening to Stift, available for free on your favorite podcast platform. I love this podcast, by the way, so listen to it. A monumental event took place this weekend, Lewis. Are you in tears? Look, Listen to you. I am. <sighs> Taylor announced Speak Now, Taylor's version. <laughs> Finally, we get the version of Mean we've been waiting for. <laughs> tell you one thing that girl better keep better than revenge as it is on that fucking album okay i want her slut shaming that bitch who fucked nick jonas or joe jonas or whoever she was dating at the time but i want i want i want the scandal okay right no she can't be releasing songs called karma and then not keep the petty vindictive songs sorry yeah um also she's like dating matt maddie healy from like the 1975 now. So mm-hmm. I really think we're back to like the, I think we're going back to basics with Taylor again, back to, you know, she's walking the streets in New York with her squad again. I think we're going to get classic Taylor. She needed a break for a minute. And now she's like, she's back with, I'm the, back jump with off. the jump off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Your That's favorite song. We both went there. Yes, I do love it. You almost said Taylor had swag just now, and I'm <laughs> going to have to cut you off there. You've been drinking. You know what? She hops up out her bed and tries to turn her swag on, and the dial doesn't really go all the way to 100, but right. it's like in the 40s. Yeah, it's a Metacritic 76. Yeah, White girl swag. Sort of like some of the white women I saw grooving to Ludacris, who was the opener to Janet, by the way. Oh, who I bet was great. He was fucking great and like a really good crowd worker. But it was just funny getting drinks before the concert. 
uh, behind this group of like five white women and one of them was playing ludicrous songs on her Spotify for the other women as we were waiting for the elevator to remind them of songs. And she was like, um, you guys remember this one, Act a Fool. It was on the Too Fast, Too Furious soundtrack. Took everything in me not to cackle. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, it's like, you don't have to do that much homework before a concert. Anyway, let's <laughs> move on to the coronation. Yeah, sure. I was obviously talking about the coronation uh-huh. of King Charles happened this weekend. And, uh, you know, his girl was there. Right. Uh, looking, you know, blown out. I mean, also, <laughs> Camilla Parker Bowles' look for me is giving uh, Glenn Close and Mars Attacks. You know, <laughs> the head of state who's there and it's shock blonde and something in the pupils is dilated. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. We keep making asides because we really don't give a fuck about these Brits, but I must tell you, I went to Cafe Clooney in New York this past weekend, um, which is Glenn Close's favorite spot. And I, didn't know, I, I, I didn't know those were ranked. I should yeah. have known that. <laughs> uh, no, truly, like, when you if you go back and read every profile of her from, like, the wife era, mm-hmm. it's always, it always starts out with, sat down with Glenn Close at Cafe Clooney. Oh, God. That is what is valuable about those profiles. You find out where these people hang out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was there with my friend Ben uh, Richardson, and we sit down. And she has her dog in her lap. And, like, you know, you do the friendly, like, oh, not. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going close. You do, like, the nod. You, like, say hi to the dog, et cetera. Then I sit down. We're talking. She interrupts me and Ben. What? And says to me, I recognize you from somewhere. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. I actually have to leave the podcast. <laughs> I'm no longer a podcast. And I think maybe we've tried to book her before or something, and maybe she's just seen clips of the show or something, but she was like, you know, you're an actor. Like, you're on a thing. You're talking. So, yeah. Oh, my so God. So she's probably seen us. Definitely. Yeah. I, Glenn, I come on the her, show! Yeah, <laughs> I interviewed her once at, at the Oscars in a, the phalanx of reporters mm-hmm. right before The Wife, where I basically said to her, now go in there and win that Oscar right before she, you know, famously didn't. Yeah. Uh, but God, I mean, like, yes, please, Jesus Christ, come on, keep it. Oh, I mean, yeah. she's an untouchable legend. I mean, we already, and then the moment, and she was, she had already eaten and she was getting up. And I said, I just have to tell you, my grandmother had this VHS next to the TV and I watched it maybe 20 times. She thought I was going to say 101 Dalmatians. And I said, and I know you're about to say Jagged Edge. I said, Bam, it was Jagged Edge. And she was like, Jagged Edge. And she <laughs> laughed, but then she stopped and she was like, that was a really good script. <laughs> uh, you know what? Next, you know what I'm going to ask her about? House of the Spirits, the movie she did with, uh, which was a huge book at the time. And uh, it's the mo- only movie she's done with Meryl. And I want to know if that script was better than what came out of it. Anyway, the mm. coronation, which is what I'm extremely concerned about. And <laughs> we're so excited to talk to about altered and changed based on what we say about it. <laughs> we're so excited to talk about the coronation. Baby, this is for Snapchat. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is for the clips. <laughs> I will say about the coronation, I had underestimated how fun it would be to watch the wives of heads of state arrive. Like, that's what it's all about, actually. Like, I'm not super engrossed in the Oh, Harry's there putting in an appearance. What does that mean? Did he do anything backhanded? Is Meghan Markle secretly, you know, uh, dressed in a Groucho Marx like this guy <laughs> so she can sneak in or whatever? <laughs> but meanwhile, it's like, oh, Dr. Jill Biden, you kind of have to come to this. 
and you chose a little look for it, and it's a mm. little fancier and stuffier than you would normally pick, and I want to know about the meeting that led to it. Uh, she and her granddaughter, Finnegan Biden. By the way, I guess there are just like four Irish words that we recycle, and fin- like, and you have to be one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna and her daughter, up. Harp Biden. Okay, yes. Jill, Dr. Jill is in Ralph Lauren. She's looking good. Yes. Also with, with of course, a nude pump. Which means it, it is a business day. She loves a nude pump more than Kamala loves a silk press. I would love to go shopping with Dr. Jill and Kamala, okay? You know that they are having a good-ass time at Bergdorf's, at Nordstrom. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly where they belong. <laughs> By the way, I, and then, of course, like, Emma Thompson is also there, looking like, you know, retired English professor, which is basically what she is to me, after having seen her in The Amazing Wit, which I feel like people don't watch anymore. Um, but look up Mike Nichols and look up Emma Thompson. And this coat is sensational. Of course she would be at the coronation. Yeah, Emma Thompson is, the jacket is definitely giving, you know, um, Cruella. Right. A movie she was in. Oh, gosh, she was in that movie. I don't remember much of Cruella. It was, that's definitely one of those pandemic films where I was stoned as hell, and it feels like a fever dream that it even existed, slash that I watched it. No, there are a certain category of pop culture items where I just associate them with the pandemic, and so I get a little glum whenever they come on or whatever, and I always think that way about Kylie Minogue's last album. Um, mm. disco it's like do i like that album i don't know i think about you know rolling in a house with my friends because we had nothing to do i mean speaking of the fucking brits right whenever people are talking about bridgerton and like this new spinoff charlotte i'm like we're still watching that right i thought we all watched it in one day during the pandemic and then never watched bridgerton again but apparently it has stands and apparently that new show is good though i am sort of looking forward to it okay back to the coronation you know who else was there joanna lumley uh, Ab Fab representation, very important to me. Mm-hmm. But I want to say it's more like Dame Joanna Mumsy today because I don't love this dress. Uh, what is the collar? It's giving Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Trudeau was there, and looking at the photos, I am stunned to discover that Sophie Trudeau looks like Mandy Moore. She looks exactly like Mandy Moore, and she's wearing sort of a dusty rose in the way that I would associate with Mandy Moore. Yeah, so. He looks good, too. I mean, he didn't really try. But, you know, you're not really supposed to try if you're a head of state anyway. And are we allowed to still think Justin Trudeau's hot? Hasn't he done, I, like, awful things lately? I I believe you're allowed to think he's hot. But I think also it's like, don't don't bring him up around Jane Fonda. She'll, she'll school you about the pipeline. <laughs> She's like, let me tell you something. I know how to blow it up. honestly if anyone does um was there anyone else there that we care about well i mean obviously the viral um arrival uh was Katy perry uh in um, vivian westwood she looked fucking stunning by the way i i think she looks great i think maybe the hat's a little bit overkill but also if you invite Katy perry to the coronation and already, you know, her whole vibe is cupcakes and balloon animals. So you never know what you're <laughs> going to get from her. This, You should expect something this, shall I say, whimsical from her. I think it looks great on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the viral clip of her trying to look for her seat. Which, 
good. You should be slightly debased at this, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is something ridiculous about this whole scenario. So I like that there would be some confusion. It's like on. Katy Perry, but, you know, I would, one, I would buy that she did that on purpose because it is Katy Perry. But right. two, yeah, it, I'm always reminded of, like, certain things like that that are live streams, right? Like, for celebrities and things. Like, I don't know, don't, don't watch a live stream of, like, me, like, hungover in the morning, like, going into Starbucks. Like, yeah. trying to figure out where the line starts. I'm like, we all do stupid shit like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, underrated look, Princess Anne, the Princess Royal. She walked in in this green cape thing with this, I'm going to call it Paul Revere hat. But what she actually looks like is the moment before M. Bison starts fighting in Street Fighter and he whips off a cape. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, suddenly gives you the this. Anyway, Princess Anne looks like a fucking baller. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Ugh, I am always imagining this couple having sex. I am so sorry. But the Macrons? Uh, please. I mean, first of all, his, I mean, uh, Brigitte looks fucking great, too. They're, she was in Louis Vuitton. Um, she's like this cute pink number. He, like, always looks good, too. I mean, what French people don't? He's giving um, the role of Michael Sheen's lifetime, I feel. <laughs> Also, people who really go head to toe one fucking collar, that's a I'm I'm here to win vibe. You know what I mean? Like I didn't I didn't I'm not doing a little mix and matchy thing. I didn't shop for this at the mall. This is one collar. I am a Crayola fucking bitch. Like the purse is too. She really came to she came to deliver. Yeah. Lionel Richie, I see you showed up. Yeah. You know, he also performed. Um Lionel Richie looks I love Lionel Richie. That's an Oscar win I can't abide by. Uh, what did he win for again? Say You, Say Me. And he was up against The Power of Love from Back to the Future. And Huey Lewis, that's a Harvard grad, I believe, does, it, it actually counts as underrated. You know what? Unlike all my friends. Both, both really good songs. But, you know, Say You, Say Me is like, that hits me. Oh, wow. You're defending Say You, Say Me now. I, I just, like, there's just... Put on the movie White Knights. Tell me how that holds up. <laughs> the only White Knights I like are in the KKK, all right? <laughs> Thank you for sassily owning me, all right? <laughs> That's what you like? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about swag. Let's talk about swag. I have never seen the movie, but I like I like I like the song. I actually think it's um I think it's aged a little bit better than Hello. Because I feel like American Idol ran Hello into the ground. Oh, I don't like Hello. I meh, the best Lionel Richie song. I mean, I would go with something Commodore's era, probably. Yeah. Um, but uh no, of course we love him. And also he looks the fucking same as he did in the eighties. He's one of those people. By the way, um there was this insane tweet about um his daughter Sophia Richie. Uh, she was getting married. It was like, Sophia Richie is the blueprint. I would like to remind people that she is Nicole Richie's sister. And Nicole Richie, would, that would actually make Nicole the blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that came before. So <laughs> Pop if culture it's not existed. the first thing, it's not the blueprint. Right. Yeah. There, there, there are basic rules to what a blueprint is and is not. Uh, Prince Harry, you know what? He wore those medals like they mean something. Uh, I understand he was maybe in an army or something once upon a time. Good for him. He showed up. He he did not flash a single smile, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, just like when he was on the field, killing right. people. <laughs> oh, and the polo field. Yeah, um, you know, he killed people on that balls. too. He killed yeah, people right. on that. 
He was playing polo. He was like, are you from Afghanistan? It's time for you to die. <laughs> okay, moving right along. <laughs> uh, Catherine, Princess of Wales, and I have underestimated that she is the Princess of Wales, um, is in Alexander McQueen. And you know she's not fucking happy about this. Oh, my God. Speaking of the clan, is given the Grand Wizard. Look at this outfit. <laughs> Uh, I, I just have to go back to Harry, though, and look at him. He looks so glum. And it's like, baby, kill me if I'm looking this glum after I just published a book, okay? Right. No, if no, there should be tell-all magic coming off of you. <laughs> like, if Cicely Tyson were still al- alive today, she should be absolutely effervescent. She died, but she yeah. should be. I mean, listen, it's it's very... Also, it's, like, very much what you should be expecting after you publish a memoir... Or any kind of book that's about the people in your life, right? You are there's like that's that's classic, uh, that's a classic storytelling device, you know. Like you write a book about your family or friends, and then you have to be at a big party where you're confronted by them again. This is the first right. time he's seen them since that book came out, and you know people have something to say, right? I'm yeah, it should be fun. You he should be there in sunglasses with his tongue out like a a fun golden retriever, just like mm-hmm. lapping it up. Anyway. Um, Nicole Scherzinger also looked great, too, you know? And she performed, correct? Yes, she did. She did. So, you know, that's all I really care about here. Nicole Scherzinger. Nicole, uh, yes, I had the feeling she's uh, more moderate than I'd like her to be. There's something that prevents me from standing Nicole Scherzinger, and it's not talent. She's obviously extremely talented. I love her solo song, Don't Hold Your Breath. As I said previously on this podcast, there is not a bad Pussycat Dolls single. And as we know, she literally is basically the only Pussycat doll. The other ones were there to mime the idea of singing while doing ecdesiastic shit. Can I say two crazy facts about Nicole Scherzinger? Yes, I don't please. believe I've ever told you. One, her very hot boyfriend, maybe fiance, Tom um, Evans, who's like a former rugby player, inexplicably follows me on Instagram. I love when you get somebody that random it's like what did i do to deserve this i yeah. i'm sure it was a fickle choice and i'm always and looking to I be like to end right. this yeah. i'm always looking to be like did he have a follow yeah <laughs> it's right like, it's, no somebody has you have to check in on this is how i feel about cynthia nixon i'm worried like <laughs> <laughs> two so i like i hooked up with someone once who had like grew up around nicole Schrodinger. i guess they're friends with her okay in the morning. First time I've heard of her having a friend, but going on. <laughs> in the morning. It's the, in the morning. I'm talking about how much I love Nicole Scherzinger because he likes Nicole Scherzinger. Mm-hmm. He FaceTimed her from bed. Excuse me. <laughs> she's, like her alarming. Yoga, she's like doing her She's like doing her yoga routine. <laughs> in hour one of four, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, that's my very wild Nicole Scherzinger story. Yeah, no. And I was like, "Hi, people... I'm a stan." Yeah, no. In that case, I mean, I, I guess I am a stan. Uh, yeah. All, all of the various. Please, the uh, the dolls uh, were dominating. I, okay, I remember it very well. Her performance of uh, 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 "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," fabulous. Our, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber was enamored with her. Yeah, I still remember her performance of um, "Whatever You Like," where she's being moved around in a big box. I think it's on "So You Think You Can Dance." There was some not viral clip of her recently performing on what looked like a very tired cruise ship in front of five people who I want to say were waiting to jump off the cruise. Like that was the whole reason they signed up. Mm. You know, that was just triangle of sadness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a quadrangle <laughs> because she was there too. 
Uh, all right. Are we done talking about this coronation shit? I, I just have to say, like, the name King Charles III just doesn't light me up with an endorphins. No. Unfortunately. You it's know, like, there's no real upshot to this. We're in this, like, sort of intro. I'm sure somebody rad will come through, you know. We're still doing this. Yeah. You know, it's 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 also so weird because, like, Elizabeth was hanging off a dear life. Right. Like, so they haven't even done this shit in, like, almost 100 years. Correct, so, correct. No, she kept t- almost dying, and then she would, like, fall into a dive roll like Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> and say, just kidding, slay. So, See you next year. It'd be a little different if any of us had grown up seeing one, you know? But right. You're right. If it was like a, it was like the Olympics or something, like every four years we got one of these, maybe there would have been a sense of occasion. But we kept being like, is this important? We don't know. Yeah. Ugh. I know that palace is musty. Right. <laughs> it's too tall. When rooms are too tall, they're depressing. Uh, and you know they don't use lotion up in that palace. Oh, my God. No. There's not a single bit of cocoa butter. No. That said, I'm looking at... Um, Catherine, Princess of Wales. I am seeing uh, Keel's points. I'm looking mm, at them. Mm. Yeah, it was beautiful. Well, I'm happy for them. Camilla finally got what she wanted. She's the queen. She held on for a long ass time. Okay, that is. And the grin is wide. She's like, "Bitch, <laughs> I made it." <laughs> I mean, if it takes that damn long, people are like making all sorts of jokes online about you know, like. Hope to gives hope to side chicks, whatever. I'm like, girl, is it worth it? You no, gotta, you it gotta took wa- her fifty damn years. <laughs> you gotta wait for this bitch to die in a car crash, <laughs> and then another thirty years. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back with the delightful Ginger Gonzaga. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Guys, it's been a rough year. 
gonna get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. You know our guest today from everywhere. She's been on Kidding, Wrecked, Space Force, and it's also been blowing up this year and literally blowing up things on True Lies on CBS and truly a fan favorite on She-Hulk, which I adored. Please welcome to keep it the wild and hilarious and stunning Ginger Gonzaga. Hi, you guys. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Hi, so happy to have you here. And I also have to start this out. I told Lewis at the beginning of this episode, I used to walk your dog. I know. And that is how we met. I know. And I I was telling my uh my publicist, I was like, I was like, he was uh he walked my dog uh gambit before he was a sensation. <laughs> and I just remember like I remember you being like, hey, do you want to come to my play? And me thinking that I was such a gracious person and being like, let me go support this young man and his play. And then I went and it was brilliant. And I went home to my partner at the time and I was like, um, (laughs) that is like the one out of 20 times that you go to someone's thing and you're like, oh, they're like super talented. And I was intimidated and put to shame. I was like, oh, wow, Iris is special and he can write and do all the things. Yeah. What was the quality of the dog walking, though? Because I'm concerned (laughs) about Gambit. No, we're going to be real. No. (laughs) Gambit was always happy. He loved Iris. He really did. He felt comfy, cozy with you. I know. I loved Gambit. And Gambit was very, and he was a very finicky dog. So, yes. yeah, always afraid man. of things, too. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, yeah, and he's like 15 years old now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we have to talk about True Lies, which, as of 12 hours ago, is now effing canceled. I can't believe I it. <laughs> Listen. But uh, talk about working on this show and also stepping into, uh, you know, truly one of the few 90s films that I feel like anybody remembers anymore you know what i mean like like ira and i sit here and talk about the 90s all the time but it's like i'm it's it's like you're watching the atrophying brains of everybody as like (laughs) more and more movies sink into the deep past never to be revived i know i think about that with like i don't know things like the beatles where like i'll i'll talk about the beatles and people are like what like i'm realizing like just time is passing and things yeah things are that i thought were so iconic or like oh what the beatles but um (laughs) and i'm like oh my goodness my soul. But um, I grew up like super sheltered Christian and we only had five movies. So I never saw True Lies, but I did see Mrs. Doubtfire, Sister Act, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, things like that. Um, and so <laughs> I had never seen it, but, and, and at the, right before my uh, doing it, like it wasn't on Hulu. Like I had to personally buy like a DVD player, get the DVD off of eBay. And then I committed to not watching it before I did the pilot because I was like, well, I might as well continue and not be incepted by her performance or judging myself with every move and being like, oh, I can't do this because Jamie did it. So it was just like this brand new thing for me, um, uh, just by uh, some luck that I uh, was sheltered. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, uh, they did make you cut your hair. So there's that, too. 
Yeah. <laughs> they... Yeah, because that's like short hair era Jamie Lee Curtis. It's one of the shortest hair. Yes. yes. <laughs> the, yeah, that on me is uh, not so cute. I think they... <laughs> Jamie looked amazing with short hair. I look like, I don't know, another version of Blanket Jackson or something if I, I have <laughs> A Jackson that should be referenced more often. Yeah. Blanket. <laughs> I didn't even change his name. But um, yeah, I uh, thank God. Oh my goodness. Because now it's canceled and I'd have this weird short hair still that I would I know, be right? sadly committing to, <laughs> hoping that maybe there was another season walking around. I already get mistaken for, for different uh, genders all the time. So I don't know if a really short hair would have helped me. <laughs> uh, now, did we do that to you? Did us striking do that to you? Did we Did we get the short hair? <laughs> <Yo. canceled? laughs> WJGA eligible person. Um, no, I don't think the striking did it to me. I think uh, 10 p.m. on Wednesdays, and I don't know. It was a it was a fun show to do. It, I, we were very like uh, ragtag, and I was just telling my friend that like our it was ratchet. Like our, I was buying my own wardrobe. Like they, would, they wouldn't buy clothes in my size, and then they would be like, "Well, here's this." Uh, thing that maybe my sister used to own and we're going to shrink it down to you it was so it really was ratchet like we we would just wow. like ratchet hollywood but well, let um, me tell you i did so help me todd for a bit of that first season and yeah cbs is cheap yeah it's like <laughs> crazy it's really wild and um yeah but i i loved it because i love my cast so much and then also like our showrunner wasn't in, in town and i love just going rogue and especially if like mom and dad aren't there then i can just improvise whatever i want and <laughs> kind of change the course of things so i was like listen i signed up for a comedy so i'm gonna keep adding stupid jokes everywhere i can <laughs> and they made it in so i was like this is fun for my brain and i really did uh love everyone so i'll miss them Mm. The Jenna Ortega tactic of just sign- being like, I actually, I have some joke ideas. I know. You know what I love about Jenna Ortega is because she's only speaking the truth. And I think it's so funny that some of these like older execs are like, oh, she's uh, she's speaking out of line and blah, blah, blah. But I love her youth and just like uh, not knowing that there was ever like a really evil patriarchy that would get mad at women that said stuff like that when she's just there to kind of like help the process and and her character you know and like you know and it's not even like the writer's fault it's like you know how they run rooms now it's like you get two seconds to write an episode so it might not be there and if she's defending her character and 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 saying what she needs to do to punch it up which by the way did benefit the entire thing then like more power to her i don't know why people don't just like uh let it exist like that I, i most of the shows i've been on that let me improvise. They're just like, yeah, go for it. And it's great, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And we all win. And I I wrangle myself when they want me to. But I I liked liked watching her uh, talk about that. Mm. Well, so speaking of like, you know, the writers and the strike and everything, you know, I, you are in SAG. And (laughs) I mean, listen, you, I always love that you always speak your mind about everything. As long as I've known you, you've always been like, you know what? I'm going to tell the nanny something. <laughs> I know. I'm like, the nanny is our president. It is just, I, I, I was, I don't, it, I, I'm sad for actors because I've been, I, I think I tweeted like five months ago. Cause you guys, 
have it together. Like the writers are like, you know, they're, they're like, this is how we're going to strike. And the leadership is in charge of it. And you kind of know for the past year, you know, they had signs the day it happened, you know, that's like a pre-planned thing. <laughs> and, so, and with many meetings and lots of communication and a lot of actors kind of just don't know what the deal is. And they think that it's really glamorous and, and, um, and, uh, and and I don't know. So I I, I guess I'm just like I, I tweeted like five months ago. Like I don't know why the actors aren't planning on striking. And people were writing back to me, "Why? What happened?" And I'm like, "Oh, like that's such a uh, an uneducated uh, response. Like, what do you mean? What happened? Like, streaming happened, and we don't get paid <laughs> for it. I'm on two internationally like airing shows, and I don't get paid for that. True Lies and She Hulk air internationally." And if this was Everyone Loves Raymond back in the day, I would have five to $10 million. But instead, it just airs for free and I don't get paid for it. And I buy my own clothes for my job. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. I just like, I'm bummed that uh, that uh, there's a, a, like a lack of info. And yeah, I'll, I'll always speak the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do it. to bring it back to even CVS, right? It was like Bob Hart's Abishola, they announced yes. that they were right. getting rid of um, recurring cast members, basically, and they're what, like, maybe you'll do five. Them to re- yeah, demoting them, uh, to recurring. them recurring. Yeah, yeah. so that's going to start happening industry-wide. I know, and what makes me sad is that has been happening to a lot of diverse actors for a long time, and I fight against it a lot. Like, I quit Grace and Frankie because I could tell that they were trying to write me into the next full season and still only pay me as a guest star. And that's happened to me so many times where they hire these people and they're like, oh, we ran out of the budget because we paid all of our Caucasian actors and you're here. We need you, but we're not going to pay you. So it's been half. My, my friend was joking like, oh, they're treating actors now all like Indian men. And I'm like, I know because he this has happened to him <laughs> as well. So it's it's been happening to a lot of uh, diverse actors and then they get away with it because there's so few opportunities that sometimes you have to take those jobs or I would be on, I would agree to do that and then work on multiple shows at the same time, which is like really exhausting. But then now they're just getting away with it with, with everyone. And it's, and it's a real shame, you know, everyone on Bob loves Abby Shola, like they have families. They've also had a certain income for a while and they've been living that life, which they deserve to live. So if all of a sudden you're like, JK, you don't make that anymore. And there's a writer strike. Good luck finding a job. Like, it's, it's, it's awful. And the, and, but the money is there. Like for 15 years, there's just a pile of money that hasn't been going towards residuals and it's just moved. And it, and, and it doesn't respect the, or any of the artists or IATSE should have gone on strike and everyone has value. And the art of, of, of what we do is, is so uh, fascinating. And there is money to go around and those people can studios can still make a, a bunch of money it's they can still be very rich it's fine it yeah. seems like you don't want david zaslav to have a golden basilica dome on top of his house and <laughs> i know i'm, I'm upset with you <laughs> golden basilica i know first of all because it's tacky second of all <laughs> i'm not concerned with that no wait i i, I also want to say that ginger you kind of did uh my job and Iris' job once upon a time, you were on a daily Hulu pop culture show. Yeah. And it had uh, a couple of my favorite pop cultural people. One of them was Dave Holmes, who yes. uh, uh, hosts the podcast Homophilia. Nobody knows more than him. I love his writing so much. I, I will tout him whenever possible. But just what was it like being uh, having to report on pop culture every day? I mean, like, it, did it feel like working for a newspaper or something where you have to, like, get up and, like, 
read the trades and figure out what to say about it, et cetera? It was so fun. And it also kept me ignorant. It kept me from being really ignorant about pop culture because otherwise I wouldn't absorb it. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> I live in like a very bizarre bubble. Like my, my co-stars are like, okay, if you don't watch movies and TV, what do you do? And I still don't really know the answer to that. I'm just like, <laughs> I think I just think all the time. But, um, <laughs> but it was so fun because it was really fast. So we reviewed movies from, or TV shows from the day before, because it was called the morning after. And we would do kind of like, what you guys do like, or like a soup kind of version for TV the night before. So we wouldn't start filming until late at night. Cause we would watch the East coast feeds of television. And we had a, a, a wonderful ragtag group of writers. Um, and we would, uh, so we would watch all of it and summarize it. And then, uh, you know, throw everything up on a teleprompter and then just do a bunch of jokes about it. And it was really fun because I've never seen Game of Thrones, but I could, I know what happened on Game of Thrones. Like I've summarized <laughs> it. I've made jokes about it. I, I get the bell reference for shame. Like I know all of it, but uh, I never, uh, we just kind of sped through everything and it was really fun. And my co-star Brian was really uh, such a treat. And it was just like, uh, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for that job. Yeah. Also, there are so many versions of recapping shows for the next day. And I just want to shout this out now in case people don't know. Recapping television is exhausting. Yeah. If you have to watch like even like American Idol and then write up like reviews of every single performance every day. Guys, you are losing sleep. It's yes. not a sustainable <laughs> lifestyle. I know. You have to find like little tricks. Like you have to like scrub through, find a little nugget and be like, okay, that can link to a joke or that's going to pop off. So I'll just focus on 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 this thing. So Sometimes we would have like, yeah, I mean, and we would work late, late through the night. So we would get really slap happy, but that was part of the fun. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a bit about She-Hulk, which I loved. So Ew. shout out to that show, which <laughs> I really did enjoy. Um, and uh, I haven't even been watching very many of like the Marvel TV shows, but I was like, I was obsessed with She-Hulk as a kid because I just yeah. loved oh, how, cool. um, well, I loved how like in... And it was so interesting, like, the comments from people who are, like, when she would be talking to the camera and stuff, right? I'm like, she was always breaking the fourth wall yes. in the comics. Yeah, uh, so it was well fun before to see that. come on, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was that like, um, you know, working with Tatiana uh, Maslany, who is truly just one of the greats? Yeah, I mean, she is totally yeah. great. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Megan the Stallion was in an episode yeah. oh with you. God. Okay. So yes. tell me about the hottie. Uh, well, what I'm sad about, well, first of all, Tatiana is one of the greats, and she's this like quiet chameleon performer. So I think even though you are, I knew going in, like, well, we had met each other before and I knew she was a love, but I I, you know, I already know how dynamic she is, but she's such a vulnerable and generous and and just lovely soul that it I think it can some people can miss what she's serving, like how amazing mm. she is because she's not some weird narcissist. She's not giant. You know, she's not walking around like with a, with a weird entourage or something, you know, even though she's, she's delivering all of this, uh, amazing work. I, I love her so, so, so much. I'm so glad to have collected her as a friend and, and I can't wait to see her in Grey House on Broadway. I'm going, I'm going. It like, it, it look, I, uh, I haven't got tickets yet, but I need to yes. go. It's like a horror play on Broadway. Yes. Looks, yes. looks so good. I can't wait. Yeah, we're all going to support her on uh, on opening night. But um, yeah, and then Megan the Stallion was um, was awesome. Like it's so funny to look at her, and she's so beautiful, and she's so amazing, and she's so powerful. And I remember like seeing her and like trying to get my dog to say hi to her dog, 
And then someone reminded me that she was 26 or whatever at the time. <laughs> and I just felt like silly. Like I felt like silly, like being around her, like being like, what? Like, how are you? Like, how do you, how are you this like superstar? Like, like also you're 26 and you started so much earlier and she is just like a force. And what I'm sad about is she had a much larger part, like so much got cut from the show, you know, and it's mm. expensive with the CGI, but she had a really, really funny thing um, with the character who played Dennis where you see all of her, the date that she goes on. So it's the, mm-hmm. the elf that's pretending to be her. And she's a really, really good actor. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm sad that that's not in there. But yeah, she's she's amazing. And I, we all snuck on the set while she was dancing with Tatiana, who's an amazing dancer. And uh, But yeah, Megan Thee Stallion, wow. It's so good to hear that she's like a really like funny like actor. You know, yes. that, like she like is doing great. I'm seeing... Um, the movie she's in later um, tonight. Um, oh, what she is she did in right with, now? Uh, she did, uh, it was originally called Fucking Identical Twins. Ah, uh, yes, Josh Sharp. Yes, yeah, Aaron Jackson. Yeah, Aaron, yeah. so... Um, is it a comedy? It's a comedy, yeah. Oh, oh God. she's gonna the, kill the, These boys are daffy. Get ready. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna slay no. it. I think she could do anything. I think she would, I, I, I think, like, uh, you know, I, I could see her doing like really really cool oscar films in the future too she's just like a a true artist yeah um speaking of that kind of comedy i underestimate that you are a groundlings second city and ucb um alum and it feels like those three things like they trickle throughout everything you do like you find ways to like insert improv etc is that like can you say you've honestly been helped by improv which i've argued for years is impossible yes it's i didn't do acting class. I took an acting class and I was like, hey, this is lame. I hated everything about it. (laughs) I think it took like two and I was like, what is this? And everyone was like, I just felt like it was like so weird and melodramatic. And I'm like, why? What? I don't know. It made me feel very odd. So I only really did Groundlings in Second City and some UCB. And I'm grateful. Like I, I went through Riders Lab, I think at the, in the Groundlings program. And then, uh, and I didn't realize that like, you were supposed to like write for yourself. I was like, let me write for all my friends. Like I wasn't like writing for myself really. But um, but I, I they let me perform there on Wednesdays and stuff, and I'm so grateful. But it's the Groundlings especially is like the most invaluable thing that I've ever done. It's it's everything that I think anyone would ever need for acting. It's like you know, you know, you know how to like make yourself look completely different, act completely different, let yourself be really ugly and weird, know how to be like, know how to let your comedy come from just like the humanity of how embarrassing and hilarious humans are, you know? And, um, and I don't know, I, I, I looked up to all of those people. I would go to the Groundlings website when I was in high school and see how many of them were on SNL. And I just, I really loved being in the Groundlings school. Yeah, it it really feels like a lot of people have that reaction to acting class where they're in it and they're like, I'm supposed to be doing certain stilted things in order to be, quote unquote, in the scene. Whereas improv just teaches you, oh, focus on that other person, you know, get get things out of them. Like it really directs you to do something specific. Yeah. And to be free and to like really respond. And also it's caretaking. Like I did a lot of stand up, too. And when I first started and stand up is very like fend for yourself and whatever improv. You have to support everyone in order for all the jokes to land. And if someone, and you learn how to save someone if, if something's dying. So you, it's all about like supporting and rescuing and, and, 
And it's a very like loving kind of comedy. And also just like for life, I would, I would find myself in, in groundlings, like calling everything out, you know, cause that's like, that's how, if you call things out, like as you hear them, it gets funnier and more specific. And I would always be like, oh, I wish I would do that a little more in my life. Now, as you know, I do it too much all over my Instagram. <laughs> but it's a good like uh, like human training for being like, oh, I need to call things like I see it. Like when that happens, say it, you know, see something, say something kind of thing in comedy. Yeah. Plus, you get uh, to act like weird little hacks and wear wigs and stuff. <laughs> that does sound fun, too. <laughs> So, I mean, you've done so much, you know, comedy, you know, improv, stand up, like does, and True Lies, I would say, you know, was like, you know, like it's an hour um, long series, you know, I'm like, does drama interest you at all? Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of dramedy too. Like on HBO, I did like Duplass stuff, like Togetherness, Mm. and I got to do a musical version of Room 104 with Brian Tyree Henry, which was singing and crying (laughs) just over and over. And and in kidding, I'm very much the, my character is, uh, her whole storyline is sad. And I wanted to like honor people's experience who were, you know, who I didn't want to make a mockery of people who had cancer by just being like some sardonic character who like was kind of giving up on life. But um, so I, I cared very much for that character, but, and that's with, you know, under Michelle Gondry's direction, which was very freeing and and beautiful and, you know, I mean, he's the best. I love him. He's when I I did a scene and I'm just like crying with all these puppeteers looking at me and it's so beautiful. And he would just be classic Michelle Gondry, even in those scenes. And he would come up to me and I would be like, oh, no, he's going to give me or I didn't know what he was going to say. He'd be like, I want to take tiny little potted plants and put them under your eyes and then your tears will water them. And uh, like, I was like, wow, this is a man who has really directed some Bjork videos. Yeah, uh, I was like, can you make that for me, please? Um, but he has, he's made me really cute, like construction uh, paper animations and stuff. And it is like the highlight of my uh, career that I've ever gotten to know and work with Michelle. And he actually took me to Bjork concert, which was really uh, wild and awesome to see. I'm like sitting there with Michelle. And it was actually, can I tell you the craziest thing? Bjork like walked into the center of the stage and she had this, portion where she just sings you are so strong over and over and she stopped and she like chose me and she sang it oh my god (laughs) and i was like (laughs) she just sang you are so strong on a loop over to me and i was just like is this happening and it's michelle sitting next to me and like i it was so fast it was just an otherworldly experience as you can imagine because it was all bjork visuals as well but also Making yeah. making eye contact with Bjork, I mean, you should have disintegrated. I mean, like, I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to leave the space. And then I was also questioning whether or not it was real. I was like, what is happening? But yeah, <laughs> she had a lot of flutes in her show, too. It was fascinating. I mean, you are in a collection of the greats. He's directed Bjork, <laughs> Kate Winslet, Kylie Minogue. Yes. yes. Oh, please, that video. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he's hilarious. He's such a goofy Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> I, the one I, I tell the story a lot, but the one time I've ever actually selfishly been like, "No, I need you to film my coverage first, which is basically an actor being like, "Film me first," was during that crying scene because I knew I would have to cry all day. 
But it was mostly because I saw him getting distracted by a puppet. It was like a, it was a <laughs> puppet that looked like a baguette that had funny feet and he was getting obsessed with the feet. And I saw him zeroing in ready to be like, Ooh, I want to film these funny little feet. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I need you to film me crying before you film the baguette puppet's feet. I'm just going <laughs> to ask you for all of this one. Okay. <laughs> the baguette's been moved to main cast. I'm yeah, sorry. I You're gotta... out of danger. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I mean, looking at your other credits, too, I was like, I also realized that we have another connection in that oh um, Lewis and I's friend, Chris Schleicher, worked on Champions, which you were on. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. And that was I, such a fun show, too. I loved doing Champions. I love Anders. And that was a really fun. Um, when you're in an ensemble like that, we were always in every scene together. And so we would like be in a pod and you're like doing the scenes. There's like 10 of us. And then they would have to light for the next scene. So weirdly, the pod, again, would be like in a circle that they set up. So it was like the most social hang I've ever had. And it got to a point where um, <laughs> I just turned it into this thing with Yasser and Porch and Beamster and stuff where I was like, let's see what kind of free stuff we can get. And we would tweet like Wetzel's pretzels and like chilies and just see if we could get like gift cards. And we got a free chilies gift card. During our downtime. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a friend in Chicago who tweeted at Chili's enough times, and now they send him little fucking gift bags. So you went to the right place. Yeah, of course you wanted Chili's, I got her Chili's, you know? <laughs> you should be up to your neck in Southwestern egg rolls. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, I think she went like the next day too. Like she got him a photo, like the whole thing. <laughs> I think that was like a simpler, nicer time on social yeah. media where yes. like you just, you know, you got a blue check. Yeah. Just tweet and get some free stuff. Okay. I know the blue check <laughs> thing is so weird. So you know, because now people buy them, and then like someone will follow you, and you're like, "Oh, I have a blue check," and then you're like, "Oh no, that's someone bought a check. It's not. It's not <laughs> Edgar Wright. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah, right. you, have, you have to retrain your brain. The conditioning yeah. is still all there. Yeah. Someone tweeted that like blue check marks are like the new Ed Hardy or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You were once the in crowd, and now yeah. you're at the wrong like, mall. Ew, yeah. Von Dutch, get away from me. <laughs> Ginger, thank you so much mall. for <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Also, it's like you were born to podcast. You should be doing this all the time. Anyway. Oh my gosh, yeah. thank you. I'm just trying to keep up with y'all's voice. They're beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. We, we, we run our scales before every episode. So, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Lip trill. Yes. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Okay, so actually speaking of Prince Harry, writing a memoir and then having to reconfront all of his 
family members that he wrote about, right? Mm-hmm. Reminds me of this little show that was on the WB called Glory Days, starring Eddie Cahill. And it was about a man who wrote a book loosely based on his friends and family from his small town. He mm. returns home, and they all hate him because of what he said about them. Um, he was very Gail Weathers writing The Woodsboro Murders. Yes. Um, and Kevin Williamson created this series, too. So uh, oh, very amazing. much that. Um, but then he also starts solving murders in the small town. But the murders are also all supernatural seeming, only they turn out to have a normal explanation at the end. So it's very Scooby-Doo. I mean, it, that's exactly Scooby-Doo. Like, what are the 10,000 volts coming off this monster? Oh, wait, it's a lighting rig or something that you figured out because you're a sound engineer. <laughs> the thing I will always remember about this show is there was one episode where, like, someone was found in the woods um, with, like, two holes in their neck. And people were like, vampires! And then it turns out that there was this painter who was a serial killer and was draining the blood from his victims and painting with it. This reminds me of what is both good and bad about the movie Birth with Nicole Kidman. Mm. You're trying to figure out if something supernatural is occurring, but you're not really clear on the world of the movie. Like, why? why how can she believe in this if this is not the kind of thing that would ever happen, if she is, in fact, living in our universe? And then it turns out to be, I mean, I won't spoil the movie, but... You, you end up a little mad at the movie because it sets up a kind of supernatural world and then this other thing happens. Mm, I mean, is it a lot like that other Nicole Kidman movie, which I actually do love, but uh, Stoker? Oh, I mean, like, there's one amazing clip in that movie. You know the one I'm talking about where she's at that table. Yes. But, uh, yes, I guess there are some similarities there. The, <laughs> the late 2000s for Nicole, mid to late 2000s, she was confused. <laughs> well, anyway, this is us talking about things that we've seen uh, that maybe we were the only viewer of uh, that nobody else has seen. <laughs> I know nobody else was tuning into Glory Days every week like I was. So I got canceled after like, what, six, seven episodes? Also, Stoker might be one of those damn movies, too. No, Did no anybody kidding. watch that movie? But by the way, Nicole Kidman's also this weird person where she has all these movies you don't remember, and then many of them were hits. Like, The Interpreter? Who's the last person to watch that movie? It was, like, number one at the box office. Invasion! Um, There's a whole bunch of these, yes. Um, A TV show I watched that nobody remembers. In 1995, we did a reboot of Get Smart, starring Don Adams and Barbara Feldon from the original. And I just want to say I fucking love Barbara Feldon, a game show veteran won $32,000 on the $64,000 question and once gave an interview about uh, the rigged game shows of the 1950s and being like, who were they ripping off if everybody signed up for it? Why would it even go? She was basically saying, if everybody signed up to be part of, um, you know, this duping, then nobody was fucked over ultimately. Anyway, something to think about. But anyway, in this version, there, uh, it also starred Andy Dick mm. and Elaine Hendricks Somebody who I feel like comes up time and again on Twitter because people love her in The Parent Trap. Maybe mm-hmm. you love her in Superstar. She was also giving it on this uh, Get Smart reboot, which lasted for, by the way, six weeks. And I know it was greenlit <laughs> because it was absolutely slaying on Nick at Night at the time. 
I watch this every week. I was so obsessed with Get Smart. Don Adams, I, I just love like those comic people who there is something about them that is one of a kind no matter what. And his his delivery that like missed it by that much. Like he's not copying anybody. It, it's like it's a little bit of like a Mel Blanc cartoon voice, but there's something specific about him that you you couldn't if if he died suddenly then you couldn't recast him with anybody who's comparable. He's just a fucking awesome comic actor. I love Get Smart. I watched oh, the reruns. one of the great shows of the '60s, and of yeah. course the pilot was written by Mel Brooks. That's why he got his Emmy. That's why uh, if we're looking at his EGOT. Yeah, um, I watched it on Nick at Night all the time as well. And honestly, the movie's kind of good. The one with Anne Hathaway and the Rock. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, it was better than it deserved to be. Right. Um, anyway, I would watch this show again. I'm sure it's terrible. I mean, uh, if it lasted only a month and a half and it had the steam of the 60s still on it and it's, it, it ended up being canceled, that is too bad. <laughs> um, what? So I, sh- I want to bring up a show that I watched in the 90s uh, when I worked on Uncoupled. I was working with one of the writers and producers of the show and one of the stars of the show. Get out. Not this MPH. is Marsha Gay Harden? No, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, wow. Do you remember Stark Raving Mad? I, I know those three <laughs> words, and I can picture I can picture hearing it. Is it on like the NBC block? Yes, it is on the NBC block. It was during that, it was 99 to 2000. It was during that era where they were trying to make hits out of shows by just sticking them after Friends. Right, right. Uh, This starred Neil Patrick Harris and Tony Shalhoub. Who, by the way, was in everything before he got Monk. You know what I mean? He would be ninth build in every damn movie. Yeah. Uh, He is a book editor and was paired with an eccentric writer. Um, Which... It's so funny to me because like NBC in the nineties was like, here's here's a here's a show about a book editor, or here's a show about newspaper journalists. Uh we talked about that with uh Mary Steenburgen, you know, it's like uh or it's um a Caroline in the city, you know, here's about a cartoonist, you know, like people There's had something like, like cosmopolitan about the prince uh, print industry, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um also Heather Dubrow from Real Housewives of Orange County now was on it. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, she was an actress before she joined Real Housewives um, of Orange County. And famously, in her first season, she takes the cast um, to set when she does a guest spot on um, Hot in Cleveland. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Valerie Bertinelli, come back to keep it. Wendy Malick, now is your time to come to keep it. Um, uh, a show from that time that I watched, I think, every episode of... That doesn't come up anymore, but was so good. And it was the kind of show that was called underrated at the time. People really tried to get people to watch it. Working with Fred Savage. Did you watch that show? I do remember it, but I never watched it. It really had the feeling of something like Spin City. Like, we're all in an office and everybody's, like, neurotic and um, overfunctioning. But it was Fred Savage. Arden Murin, who I love, was also in the show. Dana Gould was on it. Debbie Mazar was eventually on it. And also, this was another problem where... Nick at Night, uh, Wonder Years and Nick at Night was really popular, and they wanted to capitalize off that, so they eventually inserted Danica McKellar. And mm. the only thing you should really insert Danica McKellar into is the Hallmark Network, so that didn't really work <laughs> out. Um, speaking of, like, that Glory Days thing I mentioned, right, where, like, the world is like, what is going on? There was a show on the Sci-Fi Channel in 2001 uh, called The Chronicle, 
And oh it starred look at you. Chad Willett and Rena Sofer. Uh, Octavia Spencer is in this show. And Jesus Christ. Elaine Hendricks. Wow, Elaine <laughs> Hendricks, the queen of this episode of Keep It. Uh, it is about a group of journalists at a tabloid newspaper. It's called The Chronicle. Uh, and they start to realize that the like monsters, aliens, and mutants that they write about at the tabloid are actually real. Oh my God. What a specifically of that era idea. It's yeah. really shocking. If I was watching sci fi at that time, it would only be to watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, which I assume all those episodes end up holding up because they're just making fun of an old movie. I, there's probably timely pop culture references, but I bet that would be a lot of fun to revisit. There are so many episodes of that show. I mean, that and Farscape is what I would always watch on the Sci-Fi Channel. Ah, uh, of course, of course. Yeah, I was um, a Farscape have... nerd. And also on the Sci-Fi Channel, there was a TV version of The Invisible Man that I watched. So, I'm sure we've only had 24 more versions of that. <laughs> um, I have to shout out something for the game show community. Mm. There was a show uh, on Saturday mornings on CBS, 1997, through 1998, eh, about a five-month run, Wheel 2000. It was mm. a kid's version of Wheel of Fortune, hosted by Dave Sidoni, who I mostly remember from Roundhouse on oh. Nickelodeon, which was sort of like a kid's version of In Living Color, where people would come in and everybody wore overalls and like kind of new hip-hop moves. But that's, I remember it also being distinctly <laughs> pretty white. That's one of those... I feel like maybe I watch some of it, but I feel like that's definitely one of those um, Gen X to millennial divides. Yeah. Like you were watching Roundhouse every week or you were watching like all that. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. All that I think ended up being the successor to Roundhouse basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, Wheel 2000 also had, instead of Anna White, a cartoon kind of animatron woman named Cyber Lucy who you would shout a letter, you'd be like, Ira, Ira goes, T, and then Cyber Lucy, with her pointy, lit, like Sega Saturn-looking limbs, would be like, there are two T's! And then the whole audience would shriek. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's just two T's, I don't want to be screaming. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you spoke in her voice, you actually just sounded like Mo to me. <laughs> Mo who? Mo from uh, Guts. Oh, more a quirk. Yes. <laughs> Back to you, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am reading the scores for three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a wild show. And I want to say that I feel like they aired Global Guts more in reruns than they would air the regular Guts. I barely remember the regular Guts, to be honest. I know. And by the way, the Global Guts was kind of stupid. I just yeah. wanted, like, the, the original recipe where you kept almost watching kids drown or, you know, fall over, <laughs> climbing plastic rocks. Nickelodeon really did try to kill kids in the yeah. 90s. Oh. Uh, people were always drowning on Hidden Temple when those temple guards came out. Um, would snatch the kids, you'd watch them and be like, are these guards allowed within um, 10 feet of a school? <laughs> like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Because uh, they have a lot of aggression going on. And, uh, um, no, Global Double Dare, when, whenever a kid would in the, the bonus round would have to jump through the giant gumball machine in yes. order to get to the bottom, I kept thinking, is this the last I'm going to see of this kid? What if they just get stuck in the machine? <laughs> I was talking it's like to someone, in there. I was talking to someone about Nickelodeon recently and about the fact that Nickelodeon really had us on like Double Dare watching kids dig into a nose. Right. No, they to were to pull disgusting. out flags. Yeah. 
the the taste was not the, it there was no glamour to be seen you know what i'm saying yeah um i'll watch you dig through a waffle i can't do the nose anyway i think that i will try to actually watch roundhouse and see if it's still funny you know it's in all that situation where it's just loud and they're going for <laughs> humorous it's like do you remember Weederville? Um, a show nobody talks about. Yeah, he was a, a puppeteer, Mark Wiener. Yeah. I remember, yeah, Boney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember all those characters. Yeah, the only thing I really remember from that era is Stick Stickly. And, who, who slay boots. And one time they used to do, Nickelodeon used to do this thing called The Big Help. Big Help. Oh, yes, uh, I remember. And I called in once um, and was on the air speaking to Lori Beth Denbert. And your life peaked. I can't believe you even went on after that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Comic legend. I remember Whoopi Goldberg doing commercials for The Big Help, and she said, if you're looking for ways to help, take the letters in your name and find words inside them that you can do. Like, I guess the words Big Help are in, are in Whoopi Goldberg. Meanwhile, girl, I have 11 letters in my name, and one of them is a V. I, I'm still searching. I have no idea what I could do. Well, let me tell you something, Louis Verta with a V. You can vote. V? Uh, I can! <laughs> I'll pick up the phone and vote for exactly Crystal Bower socks. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, all right. When we are back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's keep it. Lewis. Yes. What are you, what are you keeping this week? I'm going for the melancholic once again mm. um my keep it goes to the passage of time mm. which this is going to be a motif on this show because i don't know if it's about entering my late 30s but i do not like how it passes uh, mm. i find it suspicious and conspiratorial we're still and, in our late mid 30s lewis right so okay i see a tear in your eye and we're gonna move <laughs> right on Uh, the passage of time is on my mind because I just saw photos and video of Jacob Tremblay at the premiere of Little Mermaid, and this is not a child. Um, <laughs> I am looking at this tall, thin, uh, kind of refined-looking actor. It is giving Jesse Eisenberg the house down boots. And <laughs> I remember when he was a child in the movie Room, which is already eight years ago. Which means Carol is eight years ago, which means Brooklyn is eight years ago, which means The Hateful Eight is eight years ago. I can't control that I group movies by year. <laughs> um, and I just don't recognize this person anymore. I saw uh, a friend of mine tweet, it's like when you have a cousin at Thanksgiving who's five, and then you don't realize you lose track of them, and then suddenly they're graduating from college, and you're like, I don't know anything about you, and you have a girlfriend who makes no sense, and you're, you live in a completely different state or whatever. Mm -hmm. Jacob Tremblay just un unrecognizable right now and it's hitting me <laughs> it's really killing me and also there's pictures of him recording uh, the voice of Flounder in this movie and he is fully a foot and a half shorter in these pictures this is like this, they did this a lifetime ago in fact I'm sure all of these actors are sick to death of this movie at this point <laughs> <laughs> they're like can we get out of the water please G yes, it's it's uh Titanic, it's Waterworld. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I didn't realize? Jacob Tremblay was the voice of Luca. 
Yes, a movie that I find very underrated. It's I thought so it was cute. very clever and cute. Yes. Yeah, I feel like And it, also by the way, the creators of that movie being like, "Well, we don't know if there's intentionally a queer theme." Bitch, if one thing is intentional in this life <laughs> it is the queer undertones of Luca. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I watched it on a plane and was sobbing. I had somehow missed it uh, when it came out. Um, but, you know, I think that that is, um, that's Pixar. And, yep. um, you know, a Pixar movie I still have not seen? Hmm. Coco. Enjoyed it. I thought there were some slow scenes. It's not in my top tier, but I did really like it. Weird yeah. that, that that's the song that won the Oscar for me, but. Yeah. Um, Should have been Say You Say Me Again. Yeah, <laughs> come right back. Every once in a while, they're like, you know what? We were really right that one time. It should be like RuPaul's Drag Race or something at the Oscars, where uh, sometimes you can press a button. Uh, someone gets someone gets like the ability to like change up the rules, and it's like, you know what? In this best actress race, we're actually going to be having um, someone else from like the 1992 ceremony enter the race now, right? Like the uh, Bibi Zahara Benet or something yeah. is like reinserted <laughs> into the race. And yeah. so, you know, like Miranda Richardson, you get one more shot. <laughs> uh, Ira, what is your keep it this week? My keep it this week goes to Succession. Oh, uh, no, that's a television series. Yes. Um, I'm the only viewer of this TV show, by right. the way. It, yes. It's a boutique uh. show. Yeah, they made it just for you. <laughs> There's no discussion about it whatsoever. Let me tell you something. Uh, the entire season s- seems to be taking about a week. Uh, as we know, Logan Roy died uh, earlier in the season, and they haven't even buried the damn body yet. Like, this mm-hmm. this is how much, like, time is passing. So when you're watching it week to week, you sort of have to remind yourself, like, oh, this is, like, right after the other, you know? But it's... it's yeah, it's, right. It, it, um... It doesn't feel like that because, you know, there's a week in between episodes and it doesn't end on like these like cliffhangers the way that like you knew like the entire season of like True Blood was like two days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like it's going into night and then it's morning, whatever. This is just every episode now is about this deal with Matson, Alexander Skarsgård and girl, I am sick of it. I'm bored. I'm bored. Mm. I found the last two episodes extremely bored. Wow. Well, I think they're battling the fact that the episode where he died was so good. And yeah. everybody got their specific Emmy-ready acting moment. Yeah, um, it was amazing. And obviously, you know, like, the end of King Lear, when it happens, you know, you have to, like, go into, like, this final act, you know? But I think the final act being so long and laborious mm. is just, like, this business deal. I'm like, I get it. I've seen business deals drag on. I've watched The Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... People people responded to me when I said that I was a little bored on Twitter. And they were like, well, you know, like the whole season's only taken a week. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something. People write this show. <laughs> oh, wow. The, you it, got on the picket line for this one. It was not mandated that the right. entire rest of the season needed to take place over several days. Okay? We kind of moved it along. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I do have to say I... Uh, again, I, I am not caught up on the show other than I see an episode here or there and I watch it literally just because I enjoy the acting on it so much. But the after show featurettes where you realize that Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden sound nothing like their characters is just the I'm gooped of all time. Every time they speak, I'm like, these are <laughs> traitors to society. They are aliens here to invade television <laughs> with their crazy assimilation tactics. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still enjoying the show, and it's still fantastic, you know? It's just, um, it seems to be slow boiling towards um, the finale, you know? And it's just sort of, I, I want to wrap this, I want to wrap, come on, Buttercup, let's wrap this mother up. I will say about this show, I feel like if there's a boring middle segment, there's no way they're not going to ramp it up with an unbelievable finale. There's no way this show doesn't end unbelievably. Oh, of course. It's going to be fucking amazing. And obviously, you know, they knew where it was going. They, it's You know, it was planned to be this. And there are moments that I really love. I love all the acting. I mean, Alexander Skarsgård is doing so great on this show, too. Uh, and you're slowly sort of revealing that he's an idiot as well. The other thing about the show is that Logan Roy was the smart one, mm-hmm. and all of his kids are fucking stupid. Right. So right, now right. each episode is just really, it's like, it's, you know, it was like the office where you would watch like people in uncomfortable situations. Now it's, you're just watching all these idiots in uncomfortable situations, like trying to do business deals and try to talk to people and like firing people and then having to rehire them. And it's just like, you're all dumb. Right. Outside of what's her name? Jay Smith Cameron. Jay yeah. Yes. You're all dumb. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe a moratorium after this on shows about like dumb rich people. You know, I think we get it. I, I have it's... to concur on that front. I do feel like we've hit this note a little bit and it yeah. was amusing, whatever. But that's the end of it. It's yeah. like we've got to we got to do something else, you know, and I still enjoy the White Lotus. Right. But like mm-hmm. with the next season, I'm also like, are we going to need more of these of like rich white people? You know, like HBO, we get it. Also, insert, like, one or two genuinely sophisticated cast members. Like, who are the sophisticated people on TV nowadays? You know what I mean? Ah, where is the sophistication? Right. You know, yeah. like when like when uh, 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 Eva Green and Daniel Craig are sitting, uh, going tete-a-tete in uh, Casino Royale, and there's a mm-hmm. simmering sensuality, and nobody's stupid in that scenario. That's what I want. That. Yes. Okay. Like, like the Hercule Perros, the Columbos. Mm. Bring mm. back real men! <laughs> <laughs> Peter Falk is a real man. Actually, I think the internet would agree. I think the internet would agree. Baby, Peter Falk was a man. Okay. Oh, yeah. He is. And you know who knew it? John Cassavetes. Yeah. Oh, baby. Cassavetes loved Peter Falk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you just, I'm looking at photos of Peter Falk right now. And weird choice. <sighs> well, it's like, let me tell you something. When when he put on that, that ratty ass raincoat, Ugh. Yeah. That cigar between his hands. That's Just one more thing. He's hot. <laughs> it's my Columbo joke for all you Columbo heads out there. <laughs> well, that's uh, our show. Yeah, that's our show. So, um, Cute episode, if you ask me. Should we review the episode after we do it every week? Uh, I think people do that for us on Apple. That's I've true. never read them. I am frightened of them. I will never look. <laughs> I've never read a single review, but uh, <laughs> you should like and rate and subscribe. Keep it on Apple Podcasts. Because <laughs> somebody responsible will read them and they will have, you know, better self-esteem than us. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, full episodes available on YouTube, et cetera, whatever. We say all that shit at the end of the episode. I don't know why I'm saying it now. Thank right. you to Ginger Gonzaga for joining us. Um, at Hollywood Studios... We're coming for you. (laughs) I feel like I'm in Battlestar Galactica. We are coming for you. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. 
Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for our production support every week. <laughs>